millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A quick note from me, producer Reese, before this episode starts. As you probably already know, Joe and James are putting out a new weekly bonus episode of the show to those backing the $3 tier on Patreon which you can find at patreon.com slash cinematicuniverse. They were doing weekly recaps of WandaVision before on that feed, and now they've moved on to uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've decided to let the first episode of that onto the main feed here so non-subscribers can get a little taste. Uh, the plan is to recap all the upcoming Disney Plus MCU shows, and there's got lots of other fun plans to fill, um, fill some of the gaps over the next year. So if you enjoy this episode and want more, uh, or you just want to support the show in general, again, uh, head over to patreon.com slash cinematic universe. Uh, but for now, let's go over to Joe and James. Hello and welcome to a bonus Patreon episode of Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to discuss The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is... James Hunt. James, episode one of a brand new Disney Plus TV series. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, this one is called New World Order. Um, mm. Directed by Carrie Scogland, who is um, a Canadian director who, looking at her looking at her filmography, she's done a lot of TV over the last couple of decades. <laughs> uh, directed an episode of The Punisher. So she's got a bit of experience in what potentially is still canon in the MCU. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Who can say? And yeah, and so we we are, are picking up at least six months after um, the end of Endgame. So also that suggests very post WandaVision, which is interesting mm-hmm. given that this was originally going to drop before WandaVision. But hey, Marvel's timeline yeah. is, a, is a mess at the best of times. Um <laughs> And yeah, we've got we've got um... all your faves. <laughs> well, all your faves. <laughs> yeah, my fave. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got the Winter Soldier who is trying to adjust to life now that he has um, a pardon and he has his freedom and can can basically attempt to go back to a normal life after what seventy years of of being on ice and then <laughs> and then just waking up to kill someone every five minutes yeah. and then heading back um and we have it's not a surprise that he's in therapy let's put it that way <laughs> we have uh sam who is uh kind of struggling with the 
we've we've been given the opportunity to you know take up the captain america mantle um after steve gave him the shield at the end of avengers endgame um and and you know actively when we meet him in the at the start of this series uh kind of rejecting that and continuing on as falcon still doing his superheroing but doing it um yeah in 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 his old falcon guys <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, it's more or less the setup I was expecting with the the sole difference being that they're not already a duo. Yes. I sort of assumed they would have immediately slipped into that, like, you know, Captain America's not around, so we're, I guess, we're the closest we've got to friends now. Yeah, and it seems like, um, it, there's, there's uh, I mentioned in this episode that Sam has been texting Bucky, but Bucky hasn't been responding so maybe Mm -hmm. you know sam is kind of feeling like uh maybe i should do something with this guy because they're not friends right they 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 actively kind of don't like each other irritate each other and have been like you know together by convenience of having the same friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) so yeah i was surprised and actually i think we should we can probably give our overall impressions of the episode before we get into um get into the weeds of the 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 kind of the step-by-step plot but i Mm -hmm. i I kind of felt like i would i couldn't i couldn't land on whether this was a good bad episode of television it was i kind of felt like i had to give it an incomplete grade because come the end of the episode the fact that we still hadn't seen the falcon and the winter soldier together i was like oh so what so what is this series then because I, i i don't feel like i can really you know, comment on how how successful it is until we've... I, I said this on our chat thread, but whenever I listen to House to Astonish and um, Al is talking about a, a comic and getting to the end of the first issue and not having the, the whole thing set up, that's what I kind of felt like here because this isn't a nine-episode series like WandaVision. It's six episodes and we've got one-sixth of the way through this series and it feels like the... You know, not all the pieces have been laid out for us. Yeah, it feels like they haven't arrived at the premise yet. Like yeah. this, uh, I feel like I feel like they're gonna very quickly meet up, given the events of the final scene. But also, like, show us those two together, because because that's what's gonna keep us engaged in the show, right? Mm. It's in the title. <laughs> we were sold a buddy movie, but so far there are no buddies. Yeah. At which which also leads me to think that this is being approached, and, and you know, I, I hate it when people say this, but it it leads me to believe this this is being approached as a six part movie rather than a rather than mm. a episodic TV series because you know if you're if you're pacing it like one overall story, then yeah, maybe you don't feel the need to have them together in that first. 15% of your story and maybe you don't feel the need to introduce or at least you know give us a glimpse of all of the supporting players because you know we know from the trailers and promotional material for this that um Sharon Carter is going to play a significant part in the series now maybe that's only a couple of episodes but still you know someone who was big enough to be played up in the advertising we know that Baron Zemo is going to be one of the big, I, I mean, we assume antagonists of this series. Um, <laughs> he's nowhere to be seen in this first episode. 
I think yeah, it's fair. If this is if this is the first half of Act One, then fair enough. I would hope they're together pretty quickly in episode two. Yeah. Um Yeah. So should we should we should we get into uh into the events of the episode? I think as well, I, I kind of I had a lot more fun in the front half of this episode than I did in the back half. Um I think it starts off really strong. And some... <laughs> I think everyone I think everyone did. <laughs> Yeah, but not even the characters. Just with, most of all, not even just with the action scene, right? The uh, which which we open on, like the action scene is fun, but mm-hmm. I think like it was it was checking in on those characters, it was getting their vibe again that I thought was interesting, and then um, kind of treading water through their story until we waited for that inciting incident at the end of the episode. Yeah, so. We kick off, uh, James, with um, some ironing. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man, it's what you want, right? Yeah, there we go. Hey, I thought this was supposed to be making allusions to Captain America, not Iron Man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So, Sam is uh, uh, ironing his suit. There's the shield next to him, and we hear the the voiceover of, um, of Captain America you know bequeathing the shield to um to sam in at the end of endgame that that yep. line is then repeated again by sam later in the episode so it's obviously a moment that they want you to remember they really want to hammer home <laughs> what why why steve gave the shield to sam and why sam is reluctant that he was reluctant from the very first moment something about it didn't feel right or didn't feel mm-hmm. natural to him. Um, but then we cut to big old action sequence. So um, there is a group called uh, LAF. I'm assuming yep. I'm assuming that's not a comics thing. Is that just... Or is it's it? It's not a comics thing. Nope. If it was a comics thing, it would have a cool acronym. <laughs> but they're just... Hey, we're having a laugh up in Tunisian airspace. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Sam jumps out of a plane as, you know, as a Captain America is wont to do. And I thought they did a really good job in this sequence, right? But with, although it's Sam wearing the Falcon costume and using the wings and doing Falcony things, I actually, first of all, I don't think we've really seen much of that because anytime Falcon has been Falcon in the MCU, it's been a cutaway to him flying while someone else is doing more interest more interesting stuff or is doing yeah, yeah. The, the you know the is is the driving force of the action scene and he's just somewhere in the background and i think you know the one of the only featured ac- action sequences for him is him getting humiliated by ant-man <laughs> in the first yeah. ant-man movie yeah, um, on the ground which is a tough gig for him yeah <laughs> It's it's like that, um, you know. Do you think you'd win in a fight with a shark? And it's like, well, it depends on home whether I'm on home yeah. surf or <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, I think they do a good job in this sequence of it feeling like a Captain America action sequence. Like you know, because Cap, Cap was always jumping out of planes, um, mm-hmm. he would use his shield to kind of you know glide down and and and, and do the kind of you know like the absurd sweeping into the into the um hatch of planes and getting straight into fight mode and then the smart move i thought of bringing us back a very minor captain america villain in batrock who we last Mm -hmm. saw in 
It that is it at the start of Winter Soldier, right? Yep, on the Lemurian star. And you know, a, a character that everyone liked, or, or well, I don't know if it was the character we liked. I think it was one that comics fans. I remember you and Seb being like, "I can't <laughs> believe they put Batroc in this movie." <laughs> yeah, Batroc, Batroc in the comics is kind of a joke, and they turned him into someone cool for the movie. So yeah, I was glad to see him back in this. And they had one of those grey, um, like it's. It's when I think of the Russos and their 2D action sequences, I think of that fight <laughs> with Batroc that like literally plays out like it's, you know... Yeah, like Street Fighter yeah, 2 Yeah, like it's Street yeah. Fighter, yeah. Where they're, they're just kind of going in a straight line at one, one another, flipping over each other and <laughs> <laughs> just throwing kicks and punches. Um, so I thought, that was a, I thought that was a smart idea to bring him back. It's someone recognisable. I don't think there's anyone else that I can actually think... It, you know, it would be crossbones otherwise, right? You'd have yeah. to, who, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out d- despite what we thought we saw happen to that character, <laughs> that character coming back <laughs> at some point. Um, yeah, but there didn't really feel like anyone else. And actually, as soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, great. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some kind of fun aerial action that's perfect for Sam but but also I, I I quite liked the idea of those like glider suits that the baddies were wearing and that it wasn't a case of just well because we're in the air obviously Falcon is gonna is gonna mess these guys up because there's so many of them and they have insane missiles. Mm-hmm. There's fun stuff with Red Wing. Um, it felt like I, you know after saying the action in One Division felt you know kind of crap. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was good. I thought this like this felt like movie level action. Yeah, it was very did, cinematic. Yeah, on. yeah. Um, my, I mean, my problem with this scene, one of the things I was a bit concerned about is how, how readily Falcon was just out there like straight up murdering people. <laughs> like he did not give a fuck. He was like, okay, well these guys pulled their guns, so that's, that's it. That's always been the case in this corner of the MCU, though. Like, oh sure, yeah, you know yeah, that. Yeah. that <laughs> when thinking back to that, to that um, Lemurian star sequence, yeah, on in in Winter Soldier, that yeah. starts with Captain America just kind of going onto the ship and just bashing people off at the side of it into the <laughs> into the water. And you're like, oh yeah, they're dead, they're dead, they're dead. Um. And I'm pretty sure the sequence at the start of Civil War before the civilians die, I'm pretty sure they're just, you know, not taking any prisoners in terms of just killing all of Crossbones' guys. Yeah. Just part of part of what's going to intrigue me about this show is whether whether they interrogate the sort of idea of superheroes working for the government and military. Yeah. Or as, as so that's something as I'm gonna ha- gonna have an eye on it. Military industrial complex, <laughs> indeed, the military industrial complex. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I see. I think that's really interesting. I've I've kind of always had a bit of a problem with with Captain America killing, and I get I I get the logic right, and I get why people say that that's different from. Superman or Batman or I don't know, you know, very, you know, it tends to be, it tends to be the DC characters anyway that people have the biggest thing about not killing. And I get that, you know, Captain America's a soldier, Falcon is a soldier, they go to war, they kill people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
but then this episode, I, I, you know, I think it frames it in a slightly different light when they're, when they're talking about the fact of, well, actually, he, Sam might be working with the Air Force, but he's not getting paid. He's not, he's not, mm-hmm. on, he's not an active member of the military. He's just someone now who's working with the military. Yeah, he's a freelance murderer. And it, it does, it, it yeah. It is a little. It's, <laughs> it's it kind of draws attention to how uncomfortable that is. Yeah, I mean, part of me suspects that they will. They will be talking about those issues a little. I don't know that that scene where they're sitting in Tunisia after the fights happened. The next scene, and the guy, perfect, James, keep us moving forward. Yeah, right. The guy comes <laughs> up and he's like, uh, "Thanks for saving my wife," and you're like, "Yeah, he just he just killed like." 14 people <laughs> they were they all have families too yeah but they were they were very bad people james oh, I, yeah, d- sure. I don't know i don't know whether that is something i think we're we're definitely going to get into the idea of the heroes as tools of the military and of the, mm-hmm. the american military in particular i think but yeah I, I, yeah I will be interested if they do interrogate that because i think if they do it casts a bit of a shade over some of the stuff that they've done with impunity in the past movies. Sure, sure. And, you know, where do you draw the line? Is it is it cool to kill one of Batroc's guys? Is it cool to kill someone in Hydra? Um, is it cool to genocide Thanos' entire race? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. So <laughs> Gonna have to pull down some statues. <laughs> Hey, it is a politically relevant show. It's, 20, <laughs> it's 2021. Um, so yeah, in in that scene in Tunisia afterwards, uh, we are probably properly introduced to um, Torres. I think it's mm. Joaquin mm. Torres, is that right? Joaquin Torres, yeah, that was a surprise to me. Who is a, yeah. a, a comics character who's fairly recent. He uh, So he was in the Nick Spencer, Sam Wilson comic from 2015. Yeah, the uh, the Falcon when when Falcon was Captain America in twenty fifteen. I, th- I think it's literally uh, called Sam Wilson Captain America, and there was a there was a Steve Rogers Captain America series as well a little bit later. Yeah, on. yeah, it was after Steve came back to life. Yeah, he was the the new Falcon, which makes sense, right? Because if you've got a if you've got a new Captain America, he needs a new Falcon, and. I I read that series, which might not be might not be a surprise to listeners because it's a 2015 comic, which is when I was just hoovering them all up. And um, I've got to be honest, he was the part of the comic that I don't really remember. Um, but he, you know, <laughs> here I think it makes sense for there to be a potential new sidekick in waiting for Sam. Um, I thought they had really nice chemistry in that scene. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I, you know, I liked the, uh, the performance and I should, it's Danny Ramirez is the actor, uh, playing Torres. Um, I thought, I thought they were good together and I'd quite like to see, you know, I'd quite like to see that. I guess it didn't occur to me that he would, that if he was going to be Captain America at some point that he would need a sidekick as well. But I guess that's something pretty intrinsic to the idea of Captain America, that he has a sidekick. Yeah, for various points. I mean, both of the characters who are the leads in this series are yeah. former Captain America sidekicks. So in in that sense, yeah, like um, most Marvel characters don't have sidekicks, but Captain America being a sort of nineteen forties throwback, uh, Diz 
did and does. So Torres gets to deliver a, a bunch of exposition in this scene, which is basically to say that, you know, he's working down here on the ground and that he'll keep Sam informed, but that there's this group called the Flag Smashers who believe that the world was better during the blip and they want a world that is unified without borders. And, <laughs> um, y- you know, it's it, that was it was one of those... When I was listening to that, I was thinking, hmm, that's interesting that in a you know in a in a series that is dealing with the the idea of do we do we do we still need a captain america in this world what does what does this symbol of america mean what should it mean what can it mean mm-hmm. that you have an antagonist saying wouldn't it be better if we just didn't have nations and you know it, it, in a way you go yeah, like in a in a like Star Trek uh, idealistic future, just having <laughs> everyone united under one flag would be great. It would be the dream. But you get the sense that the flag smashers aren't really that kind of <laughs> <laughs> that, may, that that maybe they have the same kind of um, the same kind of selfishness that that nations have that they they might want a world without borders but you know if they're saying the world was better during the blip sam says well yeah every time the world gets better for one group it gets worse for another um yeah so i'm 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 gonna throw this out there i think the flag smashers are gonna be bad i don't, I don't think we should like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's it's fair to say that they're their goals, while they might sound lofty, and you know, even though they were robbing Swiss banks, are probably going to turn out to have some less than laudable methods. There was, there was just that a hot second though where I went, they might, they might be onto something, you know? Yeah. Bit of a which, which you know, hopefully there is a bit of nuance to them because you know it, it put me in mind of you know I think we've just watched a series in One Division where. You know, you can you can make a case that we had kind of a you know a, a main antagonist in Agnes, but also you know we had a a lead character in the Scarlet Witch, and certainly where we leave her, that you know there is there are shades of heroism and villainy there. Mm-hmm. And I you know I like the idea of moving towards these shades of grey villains that you know take the lead from what Black Panther did, which was to go. This guy is like there's no denying he is the villain, but also you kind of, you kind of get it right. Yeah, he has a point. Yeah, he has a. And you know, I think especially if you're going to interrogate the idea of who is America's uh, national symbol and superhero, mm. which is something they're clearly going to do. Yeah, it makes sense to to say, well, this is the alternative. Like people who don't believe in nations, like what what do they look like? And are the flag smashers a comics thing, James? Um, so there is, there's a villain called the Flag Smasher. Okay. Um, he works for an organization called Ultimatum, which is the underground, liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. Wow. <laughs> when did yeah. they debut? <laughs> <laughs> 1985. Surprisingly. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how long it took the writer to sit down and come up with that acronym. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Um... So, it, it, 
I don't know what direction we're going in with the Flag Smashers, whether that they are going to have anything to do with the new Captain America, who is shown at the end of the episode, whether they're going to have anything to do with Baron Zemo or whether they're going to be their own kind of separate force outside of those two. Um, there is there is one... There is a character called uh, Dovich, who is... Um, who is uh, mentioned... Well, I, I think he's the guy that's super strong at the end of the episode who is one of the flag smashers. Yes. Looks like from yeah. the IMDb picture that that's him. Um, so, you know, I think it probably remains to be seen whether he is the, you know, he is the face of the flag smashers, this kind of superhero that they have within their own midst or... Again, yeah. Whether there is, whether there's more to them. Yeah, is he the flag smasher? Yes, is he the flag smasher? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. <laughs> um... So we cut back to uh, Washington where Sam is... It's the Smithsonian, isn't it, right? It's the Smithsonian where all of this is... It is indeed, yeah. Yeah. Um, where we've, you know, we've been we've been back to a few times in the MCU since the Winter Soldier where there's this big um, Captain America exhibit and Sam has decided that he is going to donate the shield to the exhibit. Um, he says... And as we know from WandaVision... <laughs> <laughs> having a bunch of vibranium just lying around yes it's not a great yeah. idea is it <laughs> <laughs> someone's probably gonna try and take it yeah um so he says we need heroes we need ones suited for the times we're in and we need symbols that are given meaning and but then says thank, thank you captain america but this belongs to you and mm-hmm. and and donates the flag back and you see in the audience James's best friend. Who did you pay <laughs> to get Darcy and Rhodey in the first two MCU Disney Plus I, they're series? Just, they're giving the people what they want, Joe. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> did you know that Rhodey was going to be in this? Because I, if I, I if I did, I'd forgotten. I can't remember if I knew. I certainly expected it. Um, and when he turned up, I was, I was more like, yeah, of course, rather than, oh, that's a surprise. I, I love the idea of giving Sam... Another black character to bounce off here, and mm-hmm. I and, and I loved the way that Don Cheadle played this. I've been, you know, I, I think I've been kind of on record of saying I, I love Cheadle, but I think Rhodey is kind of boring in the MCU. 
I don't think we've had many great roadie moments over the years, and your love for <laughs> your love for him kind of baffles me. <laughs> and I think his, I mean, his suit with all of the guns is so dumb. Put your, uh, put your guns away, roadie. No, don't put the guns away. You have more guns. Have so many guns, you can't properly move. <laughs> I mean, talking about characters who can literally only kill people when they engage in combat. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I love Don Cheadle in this scene. I loved the way he was written as well, where he he didn't tell Sam that what he was doing was wrong. He didn't tell Sam that he had, you know, it wasn't it wasn't this chastisement of Steve picked you. You should be Captain America now. You need to take that shield back and man up and fucking do this. It was mm-hmm. it was this very kind of compassionate, like I'm gonna listen to what you've got to say. My face is going to tell you that I don't think you've really understood the, the the importance of you holding that shield yet. Of of yeah. why I you know why I'm desperate for you to do it, and basically like, look, I'm here for you. This this isn't the end of your journey with that shield. Mm-hmm. Keep in touch. He literally says, doesn't he, at the end of the scene? I'll be in touch. Yeah. And I, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was such such a lovely scene with uh, with Cheadle. I thought he absolutely smashed it. I think it's uh, it's good coming from him as well because like you think back to the fact that he was at one point Iron Patriot. Oh yeah, I didn't and, even like think it. About it that. gives it extra weight. It's a good example of using like the the inbuilt history of the characters to to subtle effect. It's only at this point that we get to meet the Winter Soldier, which does make me think, James, that. In the hierarchy of this show, it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah, they took their time. They took their time. But do you, do you get the impression that that's probably the the waiting that we're going to get throughout the series? That it is it's Sam's story, but we're going to spend you know kind of the way that Wonder Vision was Wonder and Vision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it feels like the natural endpoint of this show is. Falcon becoming Captain America, and in that context, you know, Captain America has to be the most important character. So fair enough. Mm. And but I'm sure, I'm sure Bucky will get plenty of material too. I'm sure he will. But it was, it was something that kind of made me go, okay, I'm a little bit more relaxed, just because I think it's, you know, there's, there's more, there's more fertile, interesting storytelling ground to tell there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to explore there, you know, the, the idea of a black Captain America, the. Uh, what he has to grapple with and it feels like there is a wider you know there's there's a lot of outside of the mcu stuff that you can just that you can explore through sam you can explore Mm -hmm. real political you know the 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 landscape of 21st century america in the real world through sam in this series with Bucky, I yeah. kind of feel like he's just a product of the MCU at this point. Like, he is now, he's the remaining man out of time. And he's this guy who was, who did these horrific things in his past. But yes, he's carrying guilt for them, but also he he didn't do them. And we've we've explored that in the previous movies. We, you know, we, we did that in Civil War. And even, you know, like the, the main thrust of his plot in this episode is... Well, I killed a guy, and I really regret doing that, 
because I I don't want to I, I never wanted to kill innocent people and I'm now hanging out with someone who doesn't know that I killed the person that was really important to them and I was like yeah we 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 did this with with Captain America with Iron Man and his parents <laughs> yeah. right yeah. didn't didn't we do this that's it that was exactly the same like dilemma that he was grappling with in that movie mm-hmm well, maybe that's where Zemo turns up again. Who knows? He's like, hey, guys, I thought we already sorted this out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it have, does... Haven't you dealt with this already? <laughs> <laughs> it does It does feel like there's not as obvious a wider point to make with Bucky as as you say. Like, it's a bit... I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's adding in some MCU flavour for, for people who want that character, but... Yeah. I just I'm trying to you know when I, when I think about his emotional journey in this series, there's no real world parallel that I can put on it. You know that the, like the, the the grief stuff in One Division is so easy to transpose, and and the you know and the resp- you know the the weight of that responsibility of that decision of like heavy hangs the shield. I guess is the is the dilemma facing. Sam yeah, and, I, yeah. and I and I get it and you know you can you can you can paint that in the real world in so many diff- you know in, in, in any kind of situations where someone has had to succeed someone who's been fantastic at what they did um and then and then certainly you know kind of like black people taking up role model leadership positions in in modern America and the way that the country reacts to those people you know you mm-hmm. can you can you can literally look at I don't know like someone like LeBron James and go yeah I can I can see I can see the modern day parallels with that I just can't see it yet yeah. for Bucky and I'm not sure we're gonna get it which no. is why I, you know I think it's fine if he's the buddy and he's the and we have some <laughs> fun with with him and Sam and it's the kind of the supplementary stuff of hey this is this other character that most of you like. We're going to get to hang around with him for six episodes, but the weighty stuff isn't isn't going to be handled by him. Yeah, well, you know, Bucky can be there to bounce ideas off. He can be Steve's voice in it, if you like. Like that's the that's the natural role for him, I think, is to be the guy who was like, well, you know, I was Captain America's best friend, and I think he would want X, Y, Z. Yeah, I did because I did think when we were hearing Steve's voiceover in this, I was like, there is there is that thing in the back of my mind going, well, where is he? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because like, but at the but at the same time, you don't want him to show up in this series, right? Yeah, you absolutely don't want to see him. But also, <laughs> I want to know where he is. Like, it's just it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing to steer around because Chris Evans got his ending. He got yeah. the perfect ending. I never want to see him again. Well, but also, they left I don't, old Captain America alive. You kind of don't want the new Black Captain America to have to be going. Oh, um, Steve, what would what would you have done here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I don't know. I sort of think they should have killed him off screen. They should have just been like, you know, we we saw what happened to him. He had a peaceful death in his sleep six months ago. Uh, I don't know. Because you just like, why isn't Bucky? Why isn't Bucky talking to him? Like, where's he gone? Or well, or just one line of dialogue to kind of stop us from asking these questions. But I, yeah, I don't sure. know. Maybe most people aren't. Maybe it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We're going too deep again, James. Pull back, pull back. <laughs> so <laughs> Bucky has been having nightmares, which are actually flashbacks. And we see the first one play out where he um, he's on a Winter Soldier mission. And at the end of the mission, there is a, there's a guy who has witnessed the hit and... 
Bucky just kills him. Mm-hmm. Uh, point blank shoots him. Uh, or at least we think he does, I guess. We're pretty sure that he does. I guess we don't actually see him shot on screen, but I'm assuming I'm assuming so. Um, yeah. So Bucky's having nightmares and he's in therapy. And we, what we see through the course of the scene is that Bucky's not being honest in his therapy, um, but he is kind of committing to some of it. So he's been given three rules that he needs, needs to adhere to: that he is he can't break the law, no one gets hurt, and then he has to make amends. So he's got this list of people in a little notebook, like Steve had his little notebook. Um, and in it, he has this list of names of people that he needs to make amends with or make amends to, I guess, in the case of the of the scene <laughs> that he's remembering in this, where there is a, uh, I think it's a senator who he helped get elected um, when he was the Winter Soldier. And this person, this Hydra agent has remained in power since then and has continued to abuse her power um i don't know whether we should read any more significance into that james that there are still like active hydra. bad yeah hydra agents and you know bad actors within the u.s political system um yeah even 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 if hydra has long ceased to be a thing it could just be <clears throat> shorthand for hey don't don't trust the government Certainly in this yeah, series. Yeah, I right? sort of I sort of wonder if they're even going that far with it. I think you know, not everyone is a good guy is a is probably the point they're making here. I just you know, at the end of at the end of the episode, the government the US government makes a particular decision. Um and the the MC you know, this series has two ways to go with that. It can just be that is what an American government that's the kind of thing that an American government would do. Or mm-hmm. there, are, there are reasons why, and there are still, you know, people that you need to worry about in political office in the MCU. Yeah. I hope it. I hope it's the former, but it did make me wonder when they when they kind of made a point of of saying this was a an ex Hydra agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually thought um, Sebastian Stan was quite good in the in the flashback scene where he smiled at them and read the "I'm making amends." line through the car window. <laughs> uh, I think Stan has a couple of moments in this episode. It's just I get the sense that maybe we might be watching a series that attempts to give him a personality by the end of it because at the, in this one yeah, he still he just kind of has to be mopey still. Yeah, well that's that's the problem for me is that I like for a start when he has that therapy scene and he has like nine or ten lines in a row i was going like wow when's he ever spoken this much <laughs> but at the same time i don't feel like i know what his personality is like even even in captain america his thing was like he's a fairly good guy he's captain america's best mate and you know he just wants to to join the war and hang out with women and you're like that's all i've got to go on <laughs> I think the the thing that I struggle with him, and and, and I'm going to have to go beyond my generic bit of just that Bucky's the worst that I do on the <laughs> I do on the main podcast all the time. But I do genuinely believe that through the MCU of all of the major heroes, Bucky is the worst. Um, <laughs> but in I guess what I struggled with in this episode was they they kept hitting on this is a man out of time, right? In the same way that 
Steve Rogers was. Yeah, he's got no friends, he's got no no life outside of being a superhero, and he's not even allowed to do that anymore. I just don't necessarily buy Bucky as a man out of the time in the same way that I did Steve. And that's more, I don't necessarily buy Sebastian Stan. He doesn't, he doesn't have that, he doesn't have, because he doesn't have that same Boy Scout energy, and mm-hmm. because he doesn't have that, you know, there's the joke about how stoic Chris Evans looks in this, in this episode even. Like, he just doesn't, he, I don't innately look at him and go, yeah, that's a guy from the 1940s. I go, yeah, no, yeah. that's a, that's a guy who would fit in in modern day Brooklyn with his, <laughs> with his stubble and his admittedly very handsome face. So, I, you know, that this is going to be an ongoing battle for me throughout the series, I think. Um, but, you know, if they can use this series to rehabilitate him and give him an interesting platform to move forward in the MCU with beyond this, then great. But I still, I still don't think, even though that this, you know, this felt like a shift for Bucky, that he was, as you say, that he was able to deliver dialogue and did actually smile a couple of times, even if it was sarcastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, we're not there yet. There's a lot of work still to be done. I think I think the the general tone of the episode was a bit more downbeat than I was expecting. Because like again, I was I was geared up for a Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, sort of buddy piece. Yeah. And in this, like, no quips, no jokes, just a lot of people in tough situations. Mm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do like James that Bucky is back in Brooklyn, so he's yep. he's gone back to his hometown. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and he's hanging out with this um this older Asian gentleman, and they go and eat at um at a restaurant, and they're kind of having a fun little chat. And Bucky, we find out, has been he's been unsuccessful on Tinder. Um, <laughs> and he's got his eye on the waitress in yeah, the Yeah, because he's probably got it he's probably got it set to women. That's the problem there. <laughs> um and he, yeah, he 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 takes a liking to the waitress and um his friend kind of says, Oh, you need to go on a date with him. Um and I'll be honest, James, from the from the moment that that character was introduced, I didn't have much faith that the Asian man that was killed by the Winter Soldier in the flashback scene would be unconnected from the Asian man that we met a couple of scenes later. It just yeah. felt like... It felt like... It, when, are, are we going to have this really diverse cast or is it actually the Asian people are connected? And so it proved this guy is the father of of the the guy that he murdered in the flashback and he's on he's on the reason they're hanging out is because he's on his list of people that he needs to make amends with and he hasn't done it yet because he doesn't want to admit to this guy that he killed his son did you feel that that was obvious from the moment the guy started crying about his son because i did but i also saw saw people saying like oh it was it was a good reveal at the end of the episode and i was like yeah it was it was clear to me pretty early on it was I was clear on it from the moment he started crying, but I was I suspected it from the moment he walked on screen. Yeah, quite. So part of me wonders, were we just ahead of the curve or you know, was that storytelling failure? Yeah, because when he did get when he does get to that guy's apartment and you see like the little shrine in the background with his picture, I was like Yeah, I know. Yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> um 
Yeah. So so yeah, Bucky Bucky killed this guy's son, and we've you know we've already litigated that, but it does feel like a bit of a retread. Um, Sam goes to visit his sister, who I don't I don't know if we've it has been mentioned before in the MCU. Um, but he's got I a sister. Yeah, I don't think so. He's got um, nieces and nephews. Nephews. Or is it just nephews. Got nephews. He is Uncle Sam. Niece and nephew. Yeah. He yes, he's literally Uncle Sam. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> see what they did there um and they've got a bow and it's like a family like a, their family's old fishing business and the sister is saying like i know i want to know is this the ship of theseus that they seeded in one division <laughs> right yeah it's all connected yeah i mean some of those articles what does the ship of theseus mean for the <laughs> mcu moving forwards and hey maybe we're about to find out <laughs> that was very good james i enjoyed it uh, so this this boat needs to uh, I, d- I don't know i kind of i got what they were going for here it gave them an opportunity to talk about the facts that the avengers don't actually audit like the heroes don't get paid and mm-hmm. that and how that that might be vastly different in the way that affects certain people more than others yeah. Um, and how that might affect, you know, the the black working class guy from Louisiana who, in the way that it might not affect Steve or Tony or Doctor Strange and and, and has an impact on his family. I, I got what they were going for and I, I and I the the bank loan scene that we have later in the episode where they go to where you know, they literally go to the bank and ask for a loan and get rejected. There's some kind of hand waving about. Well, you were gone for five years, so we don't have any proof of income. And I know you're saying you've got government contracts, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like you are, you know, that you, that you are safe to give a loan to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I very much got the sense there that what the show was implying was this is the kind of structural racism that black people face in America, um, and they kind of the economic aspects of that that is used to keep people from certain communities down and, you know, and and in the economic situation that they're in. You know, the, the kind of, the, the American dream only exists for some people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I remember having a conversation with uh, people that who were saying, like, oh, you know, he's, it does feel a bit like they've made the only black character poor, Part of the point is that he isn't poor. He's just, you know, the black experience yeah. in America is people assuming you are poor because you are black. And 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 that there is there's certainly some element of pride there. I get the impression with the sister, um, mm-hmm. and that you know she's not the superhero. She's just the person who's trying to live her life, and she wants to live it. You know, in in a fair society, she would be able to you know to be, to be able to go about and and fix it the way that she needs to. Um, yeah. but all of these impediments being put in her place. Uh, so well, even I... even there's that aspect of like Falcon being like, well, you know, I'm the Falcon, and they're not going to say no to me. And then of course they say no to him because you know he's not wearing his Falcon outfit now. Yeah, and, and would you know would they have said no to Steve Rogers? I guess is the yeah. is the implicit <laughs> the... thing in that scene, and you get the impression no, they would not. No, they would not. Yeah, exactly. So completely understand what they are going for in this subplot and why it's there i've got to say though like i really struggled with the scenes themselves um like (laughs) spending you know for an episode that begins with a 10 minute action sequence spending the kind of last 15 20 minutes of the episode with sam 
talking about can I get a small business loan doesn't it's not the most exhilarating stuff is it (laughs) was it who was it who said in our group chat like this this feels like a good episode of a tv show I wouldn't watch yeah I, I felt that way about the Punisher and I feel that way about this show to some extent is that and do you mean the tackling kind of some interesting the, stuff? The yeah. genre, the, the genre elements of it that you know, if this wasn't an MCU show, if it was a show about, if it was a show about two cops who grew up together and then lived divergent lives and how they come back together, I'd be like, seems great, not my kind of thing. Yeah, and I'll be honest, that was one of the reasons why I thought that this was one of the, this was the least interesting show on paper to me of the. Mm-hmm. Until I kind of went, oh, actually, are they going to do something really interesting at the centre of it? <laughs> um, and that's, think, that's that's what I'm clinging on to. Yeah, if they if they get more towards the superhero stuff, I'll be happier. Like, I like that this these kind of issues are being tackled. Um, I prefer them to be a bit broader, I think you know, that, in terms of the genre. Like, I think this is, yeah. I think the stuff with the sister and the boat, it's not what they're tackling there, it's how they're tackling it. And it was the, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was the first time in this episode and, you know, on Disney Plus as a whole that I kind of felt like this is a scene I could have seen on the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this whole whole episode had the feel of one of those Netflix shows. Like, I... slow and deliberate and, you know, well put together, but also it's not got the, it's not got the zing that you expect of Marvel Studios. It still felt a lot, you know, still for me anyway, felt a cut above. And like I say, you know, it just doesn't feel like that we've, that the entire deck has been dealt yet. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to fully come down on it. Um, we see Bucky having his date uh, with the, with the waitress <laughs> in the restaurant. They play battleship and he brings flowers and because of his metal arm he's wearing creepy leather gloves the whole way through. <laughs> and if I was if I was her, the moment he kept those gloves on, I would have been ringing my friend saying, "Yeah, right. Can you arrange something? This dude won't take his leather gloves off. Yeah, won't take off his strangling gloves. Yeah, <laughs> has got some weird thing about his fingerprints. Yeah, and and just generally has a really weird vibe." He can't answer any question straight. <laughs> told me, told me he was 106. What's yeah. wrong with this guy? <laughs> so they're having the date, and then he kind of like she mentions the guy's son again, and he and that that makes him that triggers him, and he he runs out and goes to visit the guy, and you think, oh, is he going to handle this? And we go, no, actually, that's probably something that's going to have to be paid off in episode six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, and then I guess the, the the big thing that is left to discuss, James, is the is the reveal at the end of the episode. So Bucky's had his date, Sam has had his his bank meeting, and then uh, the TV turns on, and someone's like, "Sam, Sam, you've got to see this." Um, there is, you know, generic government official who was in the uh, who was in the opening sequence at the museum, uh, who. Is giving this spiel about how you know it's all well and good having all of these heroes, but we need to, de- you know, he kind of explicitly says we need someone to defend this country. You know, we've got all these other heroes mm. that defend Earth, but we need someone who defends this country. And so I think the the line that he then reads is, "We need a real person who embodies America's greatest values, 
and you know again america and great <laughs> next to each other are a certain trigger um we need someone yeah. to uh we need someone to inspire us again someone who can be a symbol for all of us and then we see new captain america who you know we know from the from the the promotional stuff of the series is john walker played by wyatt russell and he runs out in a mm-hmm. new captain america uniform but with steve shield yeah and you just see Falcon watching, kind of head in his hands, going, ah, shit. Um, I've, I've let this happen. Mm-hmm. James, talk to us about John Walker in the comics. <laughs> so John Walker was a replacement Captain America whose deal is that he is a little bit fash. Um, he later became US agent. Like, he's, he's generally a good guy, but also not in he does you know he is i guess more of an anti-hero like he is doing good stuff but you don't like it you don't like the way he's doing it and i guess that in it i guess that as a captain america then does he is he more a reflection of a modern america than of the you know the, the boy scout america that you know, you know, I mean, the, the, the Captain America that's going off to fight Nazis rather than the Captain America who would be, you know, pursuing modern day American foreign policy. <laughs> it's hard to say because he's like a he's like an authoritarian version of Captain America. Whereas like 1940s Captain America was, you know, his watchword was freedom and patriotism and, you know, in a much more simplified era. Whereas the John Walker Captain America is there to be like, you know, a figurehead and tool of the state, hmm. you know. Um, I mean, tool of the state very much seems like the direction we're moving in here. Yeah, quite. What? So, it, I, so it sounds like in the comics he is. Well, it, it, the way you're describing him makes him sound a bit Punishery Judge Dreddy. That he's, you know on the surface maybe doing the stuff that you would want him to do but not going about it in a great way and you kind of struggle to root for him yeah he's like he's still he's got the patriotic but he's got the patriotic aspect but like i say in a more authoritarian way yeah like he's just he's brutal he's a bit more like homelander uh from the boys but you know not full nazi but certainly someone who you wouldn't you wouldn't say represents the best of your of your patriotism. So you could be like a modern day Republican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're going to watch this series and, and he's going to compare to both Steve Rogers and to Sam. And yeah. I, it'll be interesting, I think, how quickly Sam regrets not lifting the shield. Is it that he regrets it because this guy is there instead? Or does he regret it because he realizes that he just made he made the wrong decision and now because there's another guy doing it he it's not as simple as just you know the agency's been taken away from him mm-hmm. what did you think of the actual physical introduction of him in the show <laughs> i mean it seems very clear to me that he's wearing a costume that's not designed to look good and on him I'm I'm gonna give the show the benefit of the doubt and say that <laughs> because like Wyatt Russell is a handsome guy, you know he's Kurt Russell's son, 
Yeah. Um, he's, you know, from the stuff that I've seen him in over the years, he has, you know, a decent slice of his dad's charisma. I think he's going to be good in this show. Um, yeah, and, li- and like I say, he's a, he's a handsome dude as well. And you see him in the costume here and you're like, I wouldn't have recognised that that was Wyatt Russell no. behind the helmet. And like, he looks like he's got this weird kind of like shrunken head. Um, a, a really, like his chin looks really odd underneath the strap and and he just does this little wink to the camera. And yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the show the benefit of the doubt and just say yeah, they want him to look like a kind of shitty action figure version of a Captain America rather than rather than the real deal. Yeah, I think I think that's what they were going for. You know, it could just be a TV budget, but I would like to think I would like to think it was deliberate. So do you think that he is going to be that he's going to be full antagonist in the show or do you think that he's just going to be like a you know a well-meaning he you know he a, a dude who wants to be a good captain america but just isn't really worthy of the shield the way that sam would have been it's interesting isn't it because they could they could go a number of ways with it they could go like you know, he's a straight-up nutcase who shouldn't have been given the chance to be Captain America, which is one valid interpretation of US agent. Mm. Um, there could be, you know, he's a good guy, but he just, as you say, he doesn't measure up. That's another valid interpretation of US agent. Um, my my feeling about this specific character is that they'll probably go the route of, you know, he wants to be Captain America, They've told him he can be Captain America, but he's just not going to be good enough and he's going to have a hard time accepting that. And whether they take that to him being a full antagonist or whether he's ultimately going to be like, fair enough, I'm, I'm stepping down because this guy is obviously feels more strongly than I do. Mm. Uh, we'll see. I do like the idea. Again, I would have liked to have seen more of more of the show's chess pieces laid out in this first episode, but mm-hmm. from, from I, I guess projecting some of the stuff that we know onto the show as well, that we've got the Flag Smashers, we've got John Walker, Captain America, we've <laughs> wearing got, a flag, <laughs> we've got Baron Zemo coming, and you know Zemo again was one of those that yeah he was a he was a proper wronger in Civil War, but again you got it didn't you you were like. Yeah, he he ideologically thinks that these superheroes are a bad thing, and mm-hmm. I, and and that he didn't like. I I don't like Captain America: Civil War in the grand scheme of the MCU, but I think the Zemo stuff in there is some of the most successful stuff. Yeah, um, and and I I liked his I liked his viewpoint, and I think it would be I think it would be interesting revisiting that character after Endgame. Right where where you've now <laughs> yeah, right. got, where you've now got people thanking Avengers in the streets, you know, on a Tunisian street, there's people going, "Oh, Falcon, thank you." <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a that's a different world from the fallout of the uh, Sokovia, of course. Sure, but he's also got five years of absolute tumult that, are, you know, directly caused by superheroes. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with that. The, the superheroes stopped it. They reversed it. Well, Thanos wasn't Thanos wasn't coming until the Avengers got active, right? 
uh, Thanos was coming anyway. He was always looking for the Infinity Stones. I'm not gonna bl- I'm not gonna blame <laughs> him for that one. I think Thanos... I think Baron Zemo might not be as forgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. I I think we've got some. I think we've got some interesting forces lined up in this show, but only five more weeks to explore it and. I think mm. we're, you know, we're, we're probably going to get some, you know, I think prepare from the way One Division went for episode six being a big old, big old action movie for a decent stretch of its uh, of its running time. Um, so yeah, I kind of I'm, I'm still on the fence about this, James. Like I, I like some of the stuff in there. Um, it, it's you know, it's not the blow your doors off um, first couple of episodes that One Division was. Um, no, I'm sort of glad this wasn't the first show out the gate, to be honest, having yes. seen both of them. I'm yeah. like, if this had been the first Marvel TV show, I'd have been very concerned. I'd still, you know, I would have been, as a Marvel fan, I would be watching the rest of this series regardless. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a bad episode of television. I don't think, you know, I just think it kind of slows down in that second half. And I wonder whether this show would have also benefited from putting the first two episodes out the way that WandaVision did. Um, Mm. But, you know, I was reading afterwards, apparently WandaVision wanted to debut its first three episodes. (laughs) Yeah, they just weren't finished. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and they just literally couldn't do it. They needed the extra week. So um, I do wonder whether that's, you know, we thought we were going to get Loki like a week after Falcon the Winter Soldier, didn't we? And I do wonder whether all of of the COVID stuff has affected Loki as well and that that show's not going to be ready until a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it will be nice next week to, to kind of be able to talk about how we think the show is going to play out once we've seen those characters together. And yeah, I know Mm -hmm. I want to see, you know, and I want to see them hanging out with John Walker as well. I'm assuming that, you know, Falcon's taking, Falcon's taking jobs for the US military. I'm assuming he's going to be working with John Walker. You would imagine, right? That's, I'm, I'm excited Probably most of all to see what they do with John Walker. Especially if he walks in and he's like, ah, so you're my sidekick, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are we taking point on this? I mean, we don't, in fairness, we don't know if he's got superpowers even. Yeah, no. He could just be be some grunt. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. There is a guy with superpowers out in Tunisia, James. Yeah, right. I mean, that did not escape my notice. Something to keep an eye on. Cool. Anyway, it was it was it was nice as well. I think to be able to sit back and just appraise this episode and not be like, so do we think that this means the Serpent Society? <laughs> <laughs> this this was this is this is less mystery box from the off. Um, yes. We're not waiting for we're not waiting for an aerospace engineer to turn up anytime soon. We're just, wait- we're just we're just waiting for the two the two friends to meet and hang out <laughs> the two leads to meet yeah yes <laughs> okay listeners well um i hope you enjoyed uh this and the first episode of the falcon and the winter soldier and um we will be back with episode two next week goodbye 
You will be timed. <laughs> you will be <laughs> Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.